This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Jeffrey Deaver back on the show with me to talk about his brand new book uh, that's available everywhere now. It's called The Final Twist, and this is the newest book in the Coulter Shaw series. Uh, Jeff is one of my favorite authors in the whole wide world. I love to talk to him every year and you know i've i've fallen in love with this series uh coulter shaw is one of the best protagonists uh you know in in thrillers today and i absolutely love what you're doing with the series uh, welcome back to the show jeff well thank you hank and of course we're on uh, doing this via skype right at the moment and you can't see i'm blushing now <laughs> although because we don't have the cameras turned on uh which is a good thing because i'm not i'm not camera ready as they say but thank you so much for your kind comments oh you're you're so welcome and and they are they are true comments um you know i've i've been a fan of your work for a number of years like a lot of people have and you know when when you came out with Coulter Shaw um i was interested to see what you were going to do with this new character and you know the the questions uh and I'm sure you you get this from everyone, you know, when you when you have such a beloved character like Lincoln Rhyme, uh, how do you how do you switch gears to another character? And what and if you're pursuing a, a new series with a new character, what does that mean for the other folks? And, you know, people get attached to characters and, and that's a good thing uh, as writers. You want people to love the work that you do. Um, but you you want them to to love the other stuff that you do and, and come along with you as you explore, um, you know, new characters and new venues and all of that, you know, fun stuff. Now that the final twist is out, book three in this series, um, how do you feel about your relationship with with Coulter Shaw, for for lack of a better way to say it? Sure, I uh, well, I appreciate that, Hank, and it it touches on a very important. Uh, point that I've been thinking about for quite some time now. <clears throat> uh, first, I'll I'll set the uh, the stage in terms of I, I guess I'd call it production because as you and I have talked, I look at a, a book as a product that I create. Sure. And uh, nothing nothing wrong with that at all. I'm a manufacturer of a product. Um, and so the uh, what's in the pipeline right now and my plan for the future is uh, the final twist uh, in I guess May of this year. Uh, in November of this year, The Midnight Lock, the next Lincoln Rhyme novel, the 15th Lincoln Rhyme novel, 
next year, uh, 2022, at some point, will be the next Coulter Shaw novel. The year after that will be the next Lincoln Rhyme novel with um, uh, some short stories and a standalone tucked in there somewhere. So I'm going to be alternating between these two uh, uh, characters and other characters in a standalone or possibly two. But uh, they will be available for fans. Lincoln will come back. Coulter will come back. But you you, you made a comment that I, I do want to expand on a little bit um, about the uh, falling in love with the, the characters. I was listening to, um, I believe it was an NPR podcast uh, years ago. Not well, let's say four years ago, five years ago. And the uh, interviewee was either a, a neurolinguist or a scientist of some kind who said that the uh, part of our brain that forms an emotional connection with real living people that we know, our, our partners, our children, our parents, um, our friends, and also with those bad people, the ex, uh, the dreaded ex uh, spouse, uh, the, the bad boss, the fellow who cuts you off on the highway. Those incidents and those people all create emotional responses. The part of the brain that does that is the same part of the brain that creates a connection with fictional characters. And so what that told me was that I, as a plot-driven author, might have neglected my characters a bit too much. I, I try to make fully formed characters, but having heard that, I decided that from now on, it was important to make sure that all the characters had rich backstories, they had rich personalities, even if those stories didn't have to do with the main plot. So with Coulter, for instance, I have given him a, a very complex backstory with his father, who was a, uh, you know, an academic at Cal and University of California at Berkeley, his mother, who was also an academic, and they all fled to a compound in the Sierra Nevadas. And that's who Coulter, uh, that's how Coulter was formed. And he became a character because of that upbringing and because of his personality, who is someone that has definitely appealed to a broad base of my readers. Um, Jeff, you you talk about um, you being a plot driven writer, and and uh, we all love your books because you you definitely take us on an emotional roller coaster, and and you take plot very seriously. And um, you've told me before that that you are an outliner, that you take that part of the process very seriously. Um, but you have some of the best drawn characters, and uh, you know when when people start. Uh, you know, arguing about the types of writers that are either pantsers or plotters, um, you get into these these stupid arguments that that only writers get into, and um, you know things <laughs> that that only matter to you know to people that that talk about the craft, um, and and you know people want to look at it in a very black and white. Uh, way you're either a plotter or you're a pantser and and you care about character development and 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 uh, and all of that. Yet you seem to have found the sweet spot of merging these two. Um, do you do you think in in those terms uh, at all uh, anymore? Uh, or uh, you, yeah, I, I think that that the truth is actually not so black and white about pantsers and plotters that a lot of people are, are somewhere in the middle there. Um, how do you, how do you balance the two or is this something that you just don't even think about anymore? 
No, I, I do consider it. And I, I will say, interesting you say, uh, hit that sweet spot. I have decided for uh, the, um, oh, let's say, um, uh, starting with the Never game, I, that was the first in the Coulter Shaw series. I did um, try to aim for 50% character and 50% plot, um, because there are scenes in the Never game that really don't move the plot forward that much. But what they do is they, they create um, a, a tension or a conflict based solely on the character of, say, Coulter Shaw and his reaction with the uh, young woman uh, gamer who plays on Twitch and who is quite interesting. And she may be a good person, maybe a bad person. We're not quite sure. But um, their relationship is is uh, deep and complex. And uh, then that I overlay that on the core plot, which is the roller coaster ride. So um, <clears throat> sort of like you're on a roller coaster with maybe your, your girlfriend and you learn as the roller coaster is going along, you learn things that might uh, uh, enhance or trouble your <laughs> relationship uh, with, uh, with her. So I, I do, try to, do try to balance that. Uh, and I, I will say about the outlining that <clears throat> Joyce Carol Oates said, you can't write the first sentence of your book or story until you know what the last sentence is. And I am an obsessive outliner, largely because my books take place in a very tight time frame, about two days, maybe three days at the most. They um, have multiple plots uh, occurring at once, and each of those plots has to end in a, a big surprise twist, if I may. And that requires me to get a broad overview, a schematic, of the story that I can't do if I sit down and simply start to write. There are some wonderful stories that have clever plots to them, uh, but they don't require that level of intricate planning. Uh, you know, imagine the TV show 24. If you just sat down at your computer and tried to write that without uh, charts and graphs and, uh, you know, notes about it takes 10 minutes to get from here to there, it would, uh, it would be less efficient, let's put it that way. You might yeah. end up with a very credible book, but it, it would be less efficient. And I am all about efficiency. I buy the latest uh, word processing systems. I buy uh, you know state-of-the-art computers. Of course, I guess if it's a new computer, it's by definition state-of-the-art. But uh, I, get, I have routers, a couple routers, backup routers. Um, I cannot imagine... Uh, writing by hand. I encourage my students in the courses on writing. I, I teach, some say they write longhand. Uh, and I say, well, that's, um, you know, that's okay. But at some point you've got to, you don't want a pilot who's flying you in, in a biplane. You want a pilot who's got all the bells and whistles. Up there. <laughs> right. So why, why should a book be any, uh, be any different? What Death Taught Terran by Derek McFadden. Life is a journey. So is the afterlife. At the end of his life, Terrence McDonald must discover its meaning or he'll be banned from the afterlife forever and his soul will cease to exist. Join Terrence and those who love him on a poignant and unforgettable journey through a life at once wonderful and harrowing. Learn what Terrence learned. See what Terrence sees. By this provocative story's end, readers may even learn a thing or two about themselves. See why people are saying things like, Derek McFadden writes with an insight you can match. 
If you like the works of Mitch Album, I think you'll find What Death Taught Terrence a worthy addition to your library and the reading of it, a life-affirming journey. I found the story immediately immersive and it stuck with me long after I finished. What Death Taught Terrence by Derek McFadden on sale now. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting, and we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. So, so Jeffrey, um, I have read, and I'm sure you have too, um, you know, thriller novels before that were were obviously outlined, and uh, you know, the the plot is just right on point. Um, but it almost comes across in the reading. As mechanical, um, you can almost feel um, in in the same way that when you when you learn to drive and and you got when, when driving became sort of second nature to you, and especially if you learn to drive in a in a manual shift, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that you can you can feel when the when the shift is coming. And I, I believe you're also a musician and, and a singer songwriter. Um, in in the same way that when you're playing a song, you can feel when the chord changes. Uh, are supposed to be it, it becomes uh, second nature almost um but i i've read um plot driven books before that that almost feel mechanical like that like you can tell when something is going to happen um how do you balance the the um you know obviously planning out a book and and so that you are in control as the writer and i think that's very important but how do you balance that with the spontaneity of allowing the reader to to just get engrossed in it and and not know when the the you know the breakneck twists are coming uh, in my in my course in uh, writing commercial fiction i have a um uh, one of the rules that we talk about for a little bit is uh, take your time. 
take your time in all aspects of publishing. So for instance, uh, when you're crafting the book, planning it out, take your time doing the outline. And that I'll talk about in just a second. The other two are uh, take your time introducing elements of the plot. You don't need to front load all your bios of your characters. Readers are going to stick with you for a while. And the book is more enduring, I think, if you uh, ladle out slowly the facts uh, about the individuals and um, and the, uh, the setup for the plot. And finally, uh, take your time getting published. Don't um, uh, jump to self-publishing because you've had a, um, a rough time with a traditional publisher. Uh, if you create a quality product, th there will be uh, a market for it. And creating a quality product takes us back to the first, my first point, take your time in planning out the story. So <clears throat> my first draft of the outline, if I were to write a book based on that, it's exactly what you described. There would be cliches in it. There would be... Um, uh, instances where I uh, artificially uh, produce a reversal of the plot. Um, but I realize that that is going to be improved with polishing, polishing, polishing. And now we're still talking about outlining the book, getting the structure. That's why it takes me months and months to do the outline. And so at the end of that time, I will have thought about the plot enough and applied my reader's sensibi sensibility, not my writer's sensibility, but my reader's sensibility to looking over that process enough to know that, oh my gosh, I can't do that reversal here. It's, it's either too obvious or it's unearned. I have not set that up. And that requires me to look back to um, maybe the, the, the third section of the, the third little uh, chapter of the book or whatever it might be. And that will then say, okay, now I can change this and it makes it more seamless. But it's, um, uh, you know, th I use flying analogies a lot, and uh, the pilot is up there with all kinds of crazy mechanical stuff that it's impossible for me to understand, electronics and hydraulics. And uh, to me, the airplane takes off, they bring me my drink, I drink my drink, I eat the meal that I probably brought with me because airline food we don't care for very much, but then... <laughs> right. Then, then he lands, and that's basically, I've just described a flight. That's it. To a pilot or to an engineer, it is an incredibly complex process, but the engineers have worked so hard to make sure we passengers have a seamless and uh, unobvious uh, event in the airplane, ideally. <laughs> Sometimes things go wrong, but, uh, uh, you know, like I, I, I just waited an hour for the jet bridge to be repaired, sitting on the tarmac with my connection time eroding, things like that happen. But ideally, uh, we never see the uh, the sausage being made. Right. Jeff, you published the first uh, Lincoln Rhyme book, The Bone Collector, in 97. Um, and the, the, the last one to be published was The Cutting Edge, which came out in 2018, I believe. And then after the cutting edge, um, then Coulter Shaw comes along, and, and we're now up to the third Coulter uh, Shaw book, The Final Twist, which you know we're celebrating today. Um, but ninety-seven to 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 twenty eighteen is a long time to to live with these characters, um, and um, does there come a point where? Um, 
you know, people obviously want more stories from this character and, and from, from these characters, um, that you've built along the way. Um, but is there such a thing as getting too close to the characters as the writer? Like, um, and, and, and I'm super happy that, that you did switch gears and, and write culture Shaw because I'm loving this series. Um, but it, does there come a point where, you know, you need to step away from that world, do something different. Uh, and, and now with the midnight lock coming out later this year, you're coming back to that world. Uh, and we're all excited for that, but you know, is there a, uh, a mental health, uh, aspect to, you know, getting, needing to step away from a, a series that you've established and that people love so much? Uh, no, not at all. I, um, uh, Hank, imagine I get paid, uh, to make up things for a living <laughs> and uh, it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, my joy is sitting down at a computer and um, wrestling with telling a story that will make my uh, readers happy. That's all there is to it. It's I'm an entertainer. And uh, so as long as they like Lincoln Rhyme, um, I'll keep writing Lincoln Rhyme. And uh, when they don't, then I'll, I'll move on. And a case in point is my Catherine Dance series of three books. Uh, she appeared in a Lincoln Rhyme book, uh, so maybe maybe three and a half books. Uh, she was a California investigator who was a body language expert. And uh, to be honest, the the sales were not good. People people who liked her liked her, but it was a, it was a small market. And so I said, well, too bad. Uh, I need to um, look at the market and get the the best books I can into the hands of readers. And so I switched to Coulter Shaw because I kind of analyzed the market and decided that a character like that uh, had more viability among readers than the Catherine Dance did. Not because of anything about Catherine Dance personally. She had it was a very interesting, compelling, strong character. But the um, the kinesics was a bit static. Uh, it involved a lot of sitting down and talking to witnesses and uh, and suspects. And uh, frankly, I, when I went back and looked at them, um, I, I found it uh, fascinating in theory, but I can see why people were not that moved. So, uh, uh, but the Lincoln Rhyme uh, character, people like Coulter Shaw, uh, people like, and, uh, you know, it takes a little while to get a character off the ground. And I'm working right now, as I said, on my fourth Coulter Shaw. So he's going to be around for a long time. And, um, uh, you know, s some books will be better than others, of course, but the, the but what I'm hoping is that people simply want to spend time with this character and his his quirkiness and, uh, you know, his nobility and see what he's up to next. And what kind of beer is he going to drink here? And is it going to be Honduran or Guatemalan coffee that he brews? <laughs> not in a Keurig, of course, but using a cone filter with hot water poured through it. Uh, he's not a, he's not a food connoisseur, but when it comes to beer and uh coffee uh he is jeff i know that you are a a, a lover of of dinner parties and uh, you know gathering with groups of people and and uh you know e exploring all the different personalities um as a writer who who um uh, you know I, I love the way you just described um you know coming up with a protagonist and and finding um traits about this protagonist that people are going to love um have you ever been to a, a party or something and and met someone and on the surface you may think you know I don't I don't know that that this person and I have anything in common but you become fascinated with that person um what is it about 
developing a new character um, that that makes you think that this is going to resonate with people? Um, you know, are, are there things about building a character um, that are, are go tos uh, or c- can you talk a little bit about the process of, of finding characters that people are going to sure. like? Sure. Uh, for one thing, I, I rarely take um, things from real life. Um, I, I don't import them wholly. Let, let me explain that. Um, there are no people in my book who are based on actual living human beings. However, um, you know, we, we are observant. Uh, you as a journalist are observant. I as a, a fiction writer am observant. And we, we absorb uh, attributes of individuals that we then put in the hopper and that they, they are then uh, translated into uh, attributes of our fictional characters. Um, and so I actually, having lived in Washington, D.C. for a while, I still have a house there, I happened to meet uh, individuals who had quite interesting backgrounds. Uh, I met a um, uh, one of the hostages in the um, Iranian uh, embassy takeover. I've met people in national security. I've met police officers, FBI agents, and uh, people work for um, uh, private contractors. And uh, of course, for my books, that's that's helpful because there, there's crime-oriented elements in what the, those individuals do, crime or terrorist uh, aspects of what they do. So that was always helpful. I'll draw a little bit from that. But I think the, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a very pedestrian writer. My prose is functional. There's, it, I was a journalist, so I, I kind of tell meat and potatoes stories, um, or I tell stories with meat and potato writing. But um, so I don't have a gift there particularly. It's kind of a chore for me to write prose. I get it out. It's done. I polish it, and it's it's certainly functional. But um, if I've been lucky enough to have been born with any uh, any uh, attribute that really helps me in in the writing, it's the um, it's, I guess, a sense of empathy. I can step into people's shoes pretty quickly. In my books, I've been um, a, uh, oh my gosh, I, I think I've been a, a 16-year-old black girl living in Harlem. I've been a um, uh, an Asian, uh, a, a Chinese, I, I think the fellow was from Chinese, an elderly Chinese man who had escaped with his family from China uh, in a, a boat, a, a illegally uh snuck over here. Uh, I've been uh, uh, I've been in the mind of Adolf Hitler in my book Garden of Beasts. I've been in uh, any number of other characters. And I can do that with some facility. It's not that difficult for me to do. Kind of sit down in a dark room and try to imagine what it would be like to be this character. Now, you have to do some research. Uh, when I wrote about the South Asian community in my book The Cutting Edge, which I think you and I chatted about, um, I had to do research. I, I mean, I, it's it, when you cross cultures uh, and races and uh, and genders, uh, you have to be careful about it. Uh, I wasn't worried about political correctness. I was worried about accuracy and making sure I portrayed individuals correctly. And one, once you've done that research, you can pretty much craft a uh, a, a character that uh, not only respects who they are, but uh, brings to life that individual in the mind of the reader sure um you're talking about writing characters that that are are not uh you know necessarily informed by your life and uh, um 
I, I think some people really struggle with that. Um, you know, you talk about writing a, a black female character from Harlem and, um, yeah, I, I'm reminded of uh, a conversation that I heard one time with uh, the great songwriter John Prine, who who we we sure. lost to COVID this last year, sure. um, and and uh, he was talking about the uh, the song Angel from Montgomery. I mean, the, I was the, just the, thinking, I, 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 <laughs> song just went through my mind. But I'm sorry, please go ahead. No, you know the the song literally opens the the beginning lines are I am an old woman named after my mother. Um, like he's establishing right off the bat, this is not him. Um, yet he takes you on the journey of this character, and 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 that's what a writer does. Uh, I, I think if if you're so worried about pulling from your personal experiences, maybe you're missing the point in some way. It's our job to uh, craft uh, characters. I mean, I can't have every character in my book being a six foot tall, bald white male who came from the Midwest. I mean, that's right. who's 70, 71 years old. That's uh, not going to fly. It's our job to craft uh, characters and uh, of course not, well, say be, be conscious of stereotypes uh, be conscious and respectful, uh, which doesn't mean you have to take a minority character and put them on a pedestal by any means. It it means you simply have to tell the uh, tell the truth as you uh, as you see it, based on again based on on research and uh, having some uh, empathy for the individuals, and that applies to the good good ones, the good guys, and the bad guys too. Sure, sure. Um. When I got uh, a, a review copy of the final twist in, in the mail uh, from your publisher a while back, um, my initial response was reading the title, The Final Twist. I was like, oh, no, is this going to be the end of Coulter Shaw? Is he wrapping up this series? Um, you know, th- there's a little pun in the title um, that uh, that made my heart sink. And, and, and I'm super happy to know that, that there's more uh, Coulter uh, coming. But kind of set up the book for us. Where do we find Coulter in this book? And uh, what is what is the mess that he's gotten himself into? Sure. Uh, Coulter Shaw is a, a reward seeker. Of course, he travels around the country in his Winnebago looking for rewards offered by police for uh, suspects who uh, whom they can't find, and also by private individuals for missing uh, children, for instance. And he... Uh, <clears throat> This book finds him in San Francisco, uh, where he is not only pursuing the reward offered by a, a mother for her daughter, a street musician who's gone missing, uh, but he is uh, trying to find the secret to the death of his father, which uh, and his father died uh, under um, mysterious circumstances uh, a decade ago. And uh, the clues that he's recently discovered lead him to San Francisco to a safe house. And that, in turn, launches him into this plot uh, that involves a missing courier bag. This is right out of Alfred Hitchcock. And he uh, and in the bag is a uh, what we eventually learn is a cataclysmic set of documents that will upend uh, will, will, will upend the government and society in um, uh, in California and in California, spreading to the rest of the uh, the world, I can't uh, rest of the country. I can't say more than that. But uh, the the hook in this book, well, the hook in the Never Game, the first in the series, was video gaming. The hook in um, uh, the Goodbye Man was cults, uh, like uh, the Jim Jones cult in uh, Guyana. And the hook in uh, this book, that is the theme. What's it about? Is about uh, politics and uh, the interplay between uh, 
corporation and corporations and government. And I found it uh, fascinating, written at a, of course, during the time of the last election, to uh, maybe echo what was going on. And uh, to I generally don't write political books, but this is in the thick of politics and in the thick of uh, great intrigue as well. And 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 this book is is a thrill ride uh, like like none other. Um, Coulter Shaw is such a fascinating character. I mean, from your from your first descriptions of, uh, you know, that he's a reward seeker, literally the the opposite character of a Lincoln rhyme. Um, so much. This has to be so much fun to write. Um, are there certain things that you do to get into the character's head when you're beginning a new, you know, when you're switching from writing Coulter Shaw to to Lincoln Rhyme and 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 back again? Are are there rituals that you've developed over time to to get back into this character's yeah, head? Uh, no, I am very lucky. I can shift gears pretty quickly. I don't have a. Um, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have this sense that I've, I've been living with Lincoln for a month. It's going to take me some downtime um, to really get a, a, a Coulter Shaw frame of mind. I can, I can really just like turn a switch and there we go. Gotcha. Um, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that, that you love to keep up with the latest technology and, and, and things like that. Um, what are you using these days uh, to write with? Uh, are you a, a Microsoft Word guy? Or are you, uh, um, what, what is your, your process? Yeah, I'm a, a Microsoft Word person. I had WordPerfect a long time ago, but uh, I couldn't get really good support for that. And so I, um, what I do is have a... Um, uh, I had my assistant kind of check out what the the best computer, the bang for the buck is. I mean, I'm not paying $3,000 for a gaming computer, but I'll, I'll spend $1,100 for one with, uh, you know, Microsoft uh, uh, 365, I think it's called, that suite. And I, so I use that. And then I um, uh, just move on to, uh, you know, uh, the high-speed modem. I, I'm a tech guy. That's it. I'm not a real geek, but I certainly am a tech guy. Love it. The final twist, the newest uh, Coulter Shaw novel is available everywhere. Now we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode. Uh, you can grab it in Kindle edition or hardback uh, or audiobook if you love uh, to listen to audios. These are some of the best uh, audiobook productions that you'll find. Uh, Jeff, if people are just learning about you and want to dig into all the amazing stuff that you do, where can they find you online? Well, uh, jeffreydeaver.com will tell you more than you ever need to know about me. You'll find, <laughs> you'll find uh, buy links to my roughly 45 books and 60 or so short stories. Um, and then, of course, Twitter and uh, Twitter and Facebook. And I think I'm on Instagram, but I, I'm not so photogenic, so I try to stay away from those photo things. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, uh, I love the final twist. We're going to send everyone to pick up a copy of it. Thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show. Hey, my pleasure. And maybe in November we can chat again about the uh, new Lincoln Ryan book if that works out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical, yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, 
Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started.